Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. And today I've got someone that's with me that's going to talk about something pretty cool around influencer marketing. And it's become a hot topic here over the last couple of years as there's a lot of crowded, noisy communications going on out there. You try to cold call someone, you try to email, you try to connect on social media. Well, how do you, how do you? become an influencer. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and other topics uh, with John Iodonacy of uh, VizSense. So John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Chad. Really appreciate it. And where are you calling in from today? Which state are you located in? I am in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Outstanding. It's uh, my grandparents used to live in Richardson, so I made it down there. Quite <laughs> Well, being originally from the Boston area, I can tell you that I'm certainly not used to the heat yet. Not sure you ever are. <laughs> yeah, I, but, it takes a while, definitely. Um, definitely. Yep. Well, hey, for our audience to get to know you, I like to kind of rewind the tape first. Speaking of influencer marketing, um, I like to kind of go back to six, seven, eight. You know, when you're when you're young, sounds like you were in Boston. What was your passion? Like, what did you like to do when you woke yeah. up? What did you do for fun? I would say, um, and I know my mom could probably give you a lot of answers to this. I would say that, that there's two things that I did for fun um, and I enjoyed. One was figuring out how things work, really building. I mean, I built computers, circuit boards, all sorts of stuff I probably shouldn't have been messing with at that age. Um, and I also shot BB guns. And um, for some reason, when I was behind a rifle, uh, I was really able to slow my mind down in a way that allowed me to really focus on one small thing. And that was making sure that that bullet went right in the bullseye. And those two things really took a lot of my time when I was at that young age. That's cool. Um, I, I haven't thought of BB guns in a long, long time. And I remember one time, you know, we had the pump action BB gun. So you, you yeah, kind of yep. bounces off the, <laughs> the wall and it wouldn't hurt if it hit a fly, you know. But then I, I, this guy had a BB gun that had an air pump on it. And I'm like, go ahead. That won't hurt. <laughs> and he shot me right in the belly. And I was like, oh, that was a stinger. <laughs> so Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well we always, cool. even at that age, we 
you know, never shot them at anybody. So <laughs> that's probably a good idea. <laughs> good idea. Encourage that. So thinking of the, the connection between then and now, um, BB guns and, you know, and, and your childhood, is there a connection between what you love to do then and what you're doing now? Yeah, I would say, um, looking at those two things, because on the surface, they seem a bit paradoxical. One is extremely active and the second one is, could be almost viewed as sedative, especially if you are a spectator watching a rifle competition. But, um, I would say that the secret thread in both of those is being able to have a creative mind to explore things that are unexplored while at the same time being able to focus on something extremely precise and have a definable end state. So I think those two things are in, have been interwoven in um, how I approach problem solving and building businesses, et cetera. Love it. Um, so <clears throat> to go from then to now, there's always speed bumps along the way, or at the time they probably felt like the hardest thing you could ever possibly imagine. Is there one of those times that you're comfortable sharing on a podcast with our listeners <laughs> that, you know, that you made it through and then, and what was your process to get through the tough time? Yeah. You know, typically when I, talk to people and tell my story. Um, I like, I was shot overseas. I uh, was on military operations and combat uh, and got shot by some bad guys. And, you know, I, I really, that to me set me on a different course trajectory. But um, one of the things that I think in looking back on it was more of a painful memory um, was losing my father. Uh, he died 61 years old, got leukemia when right after I got out of the Navy and, you know, fought valiantly for, for a little over four years and then died. And, um, I don't think in my father was an amazing person and just a great, a, a great example to follow and somebody that was well liked and respected and gave us my brother and I a lot of love and, you know, was a wonderful husband to my mom. And, and, you know, when you're, was I 35 at the time, you know, you can't, that's something you really can't prepare for. And I was not only not prepared, but I didn't really understand, um, the after effects and the grieving process and how that works and how life goes on and how things are permanently different, uh, from that experience. So I would say that was one of the, I would say the most painful memory. Mm. <clears throat> and so, you know, obviously you you're you're older now than you were then and it sounds right. like you know you've 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 dealt with that any advice for for our listeners of you know what what is the way yeah um like that you know so being somebody of faith uh i don't believe anything's random i think that things happen to us we may not know why we may not be able to unpack the rational reasons but uh, being able to know that um that there is god and and he's good and he wants the best for us um that faith aspect really is what not for me helped me get through but really the loss of my father was a rebirth of a new faith in me and uh, through that pain and through that that grieving process um i rekindled my faith and i learned to establish more of a relationship with Jesus in a participatory way, as opposed to somebody that just checked the box and went to church. And from then my life has been nothing short of supernatural 
and extraordinary. Um, but I had to go through that chasm of pain first. And I'm, I'm not saying that everybody has to, but it's usually when we're at the bottom of the barrel uh, and on our knees is when we start to look up. Mm, man, big time. <clears throat> I was in a head-on car accident in 2000 and it, you know, I still have the wow. bullet from the accident because it was, you know, I, my, we all lived, luckily we were in a convertible wow. and uh, wow. yeah, but it was amazing. Uh, the people who witnessed the, the accident said it looked like my best friend in the car was pulled out of the front seat by an angel and dropped over on the side of the road. <laughs> I've heard many stories like that. And I, I, I believe it a hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. His mom's extremely religious. My mom's extremely religious. I would say, uh, and I, I use that term lightly because I think religious and to your point, relationship and religion are kind of, kind of can be separate. Things, right. hundred percent. And, you know, spiritual and religion are two different things. One's a, one's a sort of this dogmatic, you know, recitation of, of prose and stuff. And the other one is actually, living in a spiritual sense, you know, um, obviously you need, you need the biblical basis, but at the same time, uh, I tell everybody I'd much rather be with, you know, somebody that understands the spiritual side from an experiential standpoint than somebody from a theoretical standpoint. Love it. Yep. <clears throat> so I've been watching that show, the chosen. Have you seen that? Yes. Yes, I have. In fact, one of the people um, that is an advisor on that regularly uh, speaks to our church. So we go to a church in Dallas called the Upper Room, which is amazing. My favorite scene is the credits at the beginning when they play the gray fish going around in a circle. And it's the catchy song. And all of a sudden, one fish becomes blue and goes the opposite direction of the people of the fish swimming. And then by the end, I'm like, I wonder how many bluefish there are at the end of it. And we paused it. My wife and I, there's 13. And go figure. Ah. Uh-huh. One plus 12. You and know, so it's, what's it's, crazy? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? No, I was going to say, so the new, the mission, we're, we've just launched this app called 77 Pray. And it helps mm -hmm. people remind themselves to connect to God. And that you, mm -hmm. it's free. You can, you know, you can have a relationship with God. You just, you just ask. Right. And, and then right. there's a crowdsource prayer option and there's a handful of cool little features on this thing, but I'm watching it. And now my, when I see that show of the gray fish turning blue to put simply what I believe I'm being called to is turn more gray fish blue. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, one of the fascinating things, uh, Michael Heiser talks about it um, in a couple of his books, but you know, when Babel fell, uh, there was a principalities that were cast and there was, they, they, at that time, there was about 70 countries where they, you know, in the existence in the world. And when you look at Jesus's entire ministry, he had, you know, plus the disciples, he had about 70 people, you know, so it's almost like um, each he the the number of people that he was had was one was meant to go to each nation at that time uh pretty fascinating stuff wow see i didn't know the 70 that's neat i think what's going to happen if I, I ran the math and when we're launching august 6th it's in android already it comes out on apple any day 
August 6th is the day my grandfather passed away, you know, many years ago, 16 years ago. <clears throat> and he was in the Navy like you were. So um, I really, oh, wow. really looked up to my grandfather. And he That's passed awesome. down That's a lot nice of tribute. amazing things. Yeah. So this is really in his honor. And the math says if 77 people sign up for Rev1 and they invite someone to the app once a day for 77 days, that's 5,929 personal invites. What's not mm -hmm. in there is how many post it to Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, right? So there's some virality that could go there. <clears throat> and I, you know, if, if only 10% of the 5,900 sign up, that's 600. Well, we just moved from 70 to 600. And I'm going, well, think of the math after 600, right? If you get a 10X every time, 70 to 700, to 7,000, to 70,000. Right. I think it's going to hold up. I mean, I think you've been around influencer marketing. Um, what what's, what it's, have you found to to work to cause something? To yeah, it's a good up? question. Hmm. So there's a, um, a couple different laws. People have mathematically trying to assign an equation. One's Metcalf's law. One is um, um, Rod uh, Beckstrom's law. Rod Beckstrom invented it. And both of these guys took this concept of the network effect, right? And really took different spins on how do you quantify the spread of a network? Now, the term virality has its roots from epidemiology, right? And it's how cells actually spread or how a virus spreads and Using a contagen model, we developed AI models to see how it spreads. But when you're dealing with people, um, and what we've found from the data standpoint is there's three main aspects that really uh, allow for that virality, if you want to call that, to take effect. And the first one is content. So you need persuasive content, right? In your case, it's a 77 prayers app. Uh, that content should be persuasive and there's different metrics you can measure persuasions, not just imagery. It's also textual, right? Um, the second one is really who is the identity and or the attribution of the person spreading the content that matters. Um, if somebody that's not known posts unbelievable content, it might go far. Uh, but if somebody that is known and has a credibility spreads content, it's going to go even further. And then, really the gasoline on it is when both of these items are backed by a third, which is how engaged the network is, right? So it's, are these people in the network, do they participate in the online discussions or do they opine? Are they passionate about these topics? When you have all three is when you have a combustible situation, wow. which will likely result in max reach. Wow. And that's, those are things we don't necessarily think about if we're not in living in the world that you're living in. So that's pretty neat. No, it's, it's been pretty cool. I, I get a, I get a, um, I get a list of every letter that went through the Philadelphia post off Philadelphia and Boston post office, uh, right after the revolutionary war. And I had a name an address to and from. And so that Philadelphia post office was a major hub, if you will back then, right? And we actually determined from looking at the data and some of the historians have determined that there was somebody actually that got more mail than Ben Franklin did at that time. And that to me is a way you can use data to maybe we've discovered an unknown influencer back then, right? <laughs> and so looking at data and looking at the way things spread uh, is really about what we do. And 
developing um, mathematical and computer models to help us understand that better is a big part of our business. Wow. <clears throat> That's amazing. So thinking about that, talk to me a little bit more about some of the challenges in the industry that you're seeing and how do you and your company overcome those challenges? Yeah. The biggest challenge I would say is, you know, the term influencer. So one is definition, the term influencer, people routinely um, supplement with the word celebrity. And I, we just don't see the world that way. I mean, you can be a celebrity and be in movies and it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily cause people to want to buy more hand cream, you know? Um, and so we break, we really take the term influence in as pejorative sense, like the ability to actually induce a behavioral change and influence somebody. And what we're seeing in this industry is there are influencers for lip and eye uh, makeup. There are influencers for anti-aging makeup and anti-wrinkle makeup. There are influencers for hair care. I mean, there are influencers in each of these little segments of industries and they're super smart and they're super specialized and they are the people that you want to go to before you make a purchase decision. Five years ago, you did not see that. You saw somebody that was a beauty influencer and they knew about beauty. We're seeing this get specialized now. That's a big difference. That requires an immense amount of data to understand uh, and to manage and measure. And then I think the second thing is fraud. You know, people mistakenly attribute follower count to influence. And I mean, the, the facts of the matter is you can open up an Instagram account and you can spend some money and you can have 10,000 followers in a matter of days and weeks. Unfortunately, those followers are fraudulent in their bots, but a lot of these brands don't know that. So people are gaming the system with millions of followers who aren't even human. And I think those two challenges are some of the biggest. And then lastly, I'd say that the, the, the final thing is marketing is skewing more towards a data centric trade. So it might've started off in Madison Avenue with ultra creative people, you know, the mad men, Don Draper of the world. And now you're like, you're going to have to talk to, you know, the geeky people on the other side of the office that do the coding. You're going to have to talk to the data scientists because marketing is not just about look and feel, but it's about matching. It's about typesetting. It's about audience analysis. It's about uh, targeting of content. It's about metrics. It's about attribution. And all those things are largely not creative trades. They're more discreet. They're more mathematical. They're more numerical. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, my, my other podcast is called AI for Sales. And we interview <laughs> people leveraging AI and big data. And it's amazing. Oh, whether it's healthcare or biotech. Totally geek out with you on that. It's oh, it's, it's everywhere, man. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, that, that makes me think of Pam Jordan, who's, she runs the company where my CFO, uh, we have one of these shared fractional CFOs at my day job, mm -hmm. and she is an influencer. And we didn't know that until a, a call recently. And she goes, yeah, like I'm the influencer for gluten, gluten intolerance because she had an issue. Oh, wow. And so she's done it like for eight to 10 years, all these blogs. She goes, I know everything about it. And so 
you know, we were like, you mean like you're a real influencer? The guy asked on the webinar. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a real <laughs> influencer. So you never know where these people can be hiding. It's, it's anybody, right? You know, the, 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 one of the coolest things about this job is we, we have contacted people in the middle of small town America that are like, I actually can get paid for this stuff. And people have becoming major income producers for their family where they never thought they could before because maybe they have been blogging about, you know, um, keto recipes for five years. And now they've gained such an audience that brands want to get at that audience and they're willing to partner with these people. So it's been really cool. Wow. All right. Last question is my favorite question. And we've touched on it a bit, but I ask it anyway, because it's my favorite question. And that is what role does faith play in your life and in your journey? Oh, wow. I would say it's the center. So I don't like to use like a pyramid. It is the center. It is, it is by which everything, my decisions, uh, my actions, um, I'd say my thoughts and my emotions, uh, I've all tried to ground towards my faith, try to make that like the, the core of each part of what I do and who I am. Um, and I, it's an evolutionary process. You know, I don't, I don't always, uh, do what I probably want to do. Uh, I am human. I do make mistakes, uh, not afraid to admit that, but at the same time, it is a goal and it is a North star that I try to stay uh, as the center of everything that I do. Wow. Um, if I'll ask the part B there, then since we've got another, yeah, sure. What um, if someone doesn't have a relationship with God and they look at it like, well, you know, I believe God created me, but I can't really have a relationship with, you know, squishy air. Mm. How do you, uh, <laughs> what would you say to that person? Like, Sounds like you have a yeah. relationship. How'd you get there? And what do you do to get one? Um, well, I think there's a lot of different approaches to take, right? With that particular person. Um, so to me, the relationship is, is a spiritual relationship. And that is obviously tough to quantify, but at the same time, it's a feeling. And you know, I would explain to them the same way you feel in your gut with a gut instinct. Um, that is, that feeling is the, uh, I would say, the way that you interact in, in this context, right? And um, our heart is sort of the epicenter. We have a spiritual heart and a physical heart. And our heart is the epicenter by which we um, have these relationships. And I would say to that person, how do you quantify love? Because is love a feeling? Okay. Um, how do you relate with love and how do you know that you love? Because there's no measurement of it, right? And so uh, I think as people, there's certain interactions we have that we probably can't quantify as some sort of emotional construct or a dopamine or oxytocin release that we instinctively operate from. And I believe that those are the faculties that allow us to have a spiritual relationship. And those are the, those are the questions that get asked. And those are the um, ways that I would describe with this person. And then in terms of like, how do I know it's real? I would say it doesn't hurt to try. It doesn't hurt to try to pray. That's right. It doesn't hurt to pray. It's, 
it, guess what? You have an unlimited budget, which is great, right? You can pray as much as you can and you can never be wrong. And um, it, from the, the biblical sense and looking at the Bible, uh, he always hears his people, period. And um, if you pray and if you accept, your life will be changed. But the biggest ch challenge is taking that step. And um, why would you not want to try? It would be my other piece, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, especially when you see so many people smiling from ear to ear saying, this is amazing that I can be on planet earth and be part of all of this. And other people are saying, Oh, I'm just in the suffering. And they're like, no, no, you can actually have heaven on earth. If you, if that's you right. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, and so, I really yeah. appreciate your time today, John, John Iadonacy is the CEO of VizSense. It's VizSense, V I Z S E N S E. And these guys help with awareness campaigns, direct response, content, managed services, industry insights, and social listening. So you've heard a little bit here, and that's just the tip of the spear. So if you're looking to, uh, I think from both sides, right, John, the um, whether you're an influencer or you need to get into influencers, you probably help with this. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. And if someone wants to get a hold of you, John, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Go to our website. We have multiple um, ways to reach out to us, depending on who you are, and we'll make sure you get to the right person. Excellent. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining another Living a Better Story podcast episode. We've been talking with John Iadonacy and with VizSense, founder, CEO. They've been around for six years. What a cool conversation. Thank you, John. I'd love to have talk. Have a good one, Chad. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. <laughs>